back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Free For All Friday. Todd wants in from Swansboro. Tim is in Cary. Gary is in Wilson. You can steer our ship. It's Free For All Friday. Football-wise, we have the Senior Bowl tomorrow in Mobile, Alabama. Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, and other ACC schools will be represented there with pro prospects. The Pro Bowl, NFL All-Stars, if you will, takes place Sunday in Orlando. The Australian Open continues in tennis. The PGA Tour has its highest profile event of the 2020 calendar year so far at Torrey Pines with Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and, of course, that Tiger Woods guy among the big names. Luke Kuechly and Eli Manning retired this week. Serena Williams is out as a GOAT in the Australian Open. Tiger Woods is in contention as one of those GOAT guys at Torrey Pines. You can be next with your question, comment, or complaint. NHL All-Star Game is tomorrow night in St. Louis. NBA continues regular season action, of course. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can join us. One quick follow-up on some of the things that we discussed. Quickly on Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is not only a great example of somebody who bounced back from physical adversity. This is a guy, torn Achilles. Why were there so many doubters? Why is he so defiant? Why was he there on the sidelines with family members saying, we showed you when you said this couldn't happen? He's a story of medical redemption. I think he's a story of a guy who's a very good leader. If you followed San Francisco 49ers headlines all year long, they said that of course, there's a lot of prongs to how the Niners went from so bad to now playing in Super Bowl 54 in a relatively short period of time. Richard Sherman's leadership is a huge part of that. He has the street cred because of what he did in Seattle. He overcame the medical doubters. He's a better leader than he was earlier in his career, even by his own description. I gave the one stat. Darrell Revis chooses a win by the 49ers to take his shot at Richard Sherman. He shows a photo of Devontae Adams getting behind Richard Sherman and made, you know, talked about how Richard hides in the zone sometimes and Richard doesn't go left to right the way Darrell Revis did. Richard's always on one side of the field or almost always. They actually mixed it up a little bit against the Packers. So he shows the photo of Adams getting behind Sherman on a long catch. Packers got blitzed in that game, remember. Lost by a lot. But that turned out to be... And if Darrell Revis had an ounce of fairness in his criticism, he would have understood and admitted that is the only – you put up a photo. You want to talk about taking the exception to the rule. The guy's been playing football for four months, and your photo was the one and only pass completed against him where the ball traveled more than 20 yards in the air. That, that's like trying to prove a point by bringing up the only exception to the rule. Nobody smart believes that kind of stuff. Richard Sherman's leadership, Richard Sherman's good health, Richard Sherman's Pro Bowl caliber play is on the short list of reasons. The running game, the Bosa and the rest of the defense, but also Richard Sherman. It is a great story of redemption. I didn't have off the top of my head list of great players who went to the rival and were still great, right? Seahawks torturing the 49ers when Richard Sherman was on the Seattle side of that fence. And now the Seahawks are out. The 49ers are moving on now that Richard Sherman is on the San Fran side of the fence. I don't – we could probably build that list. It is free for all Friday. But as we come to Tim on college hoops, Todd wants in on UNC. Gary wants in on coaching versus talent. Will and Carey wants in on, I think, college hoops as well. 
The Dean Smith, Roy Williams stuff, let me just remind everybody of this. It is hard to have apples to apples comparisons. And for example, not everybody values consistent success the way everybody values championship rings, right? Dean Smith won, in air quotes, only two NCAA titles, despite having Jordan and Worthy and Perkins, although those three guys were part of one of his two titles. There were a lot of teams that had a lot of future NBA talent, a lot of McDonald's All-Americans, and for whatever reason, they fell short of winning the whole thing. By the how many times did you get to the top of the mountain measuring stick, Dean Smith with two didn't get as many as many thought he should have gotten. Mike Krzyzewski, for example, has five. John Wooden of UCLA got into double digits with his NCAA titles. Dean Smith's consistency is reflected by this. And Roy Williams' basement year this year is a stark contrast to what I'm about to tell you about Dean Smith. Even Mike Krzyzewski, mind you, while not having a year like this that Roy Williams is having, had the bad back Pete Gaudette year in the mid-90s, and has had, you know, a fifth-place conference finish, a sixth-place conference finish, sometimes right after a first-place conference finish. Things are more chaotic in modern college basketball than they were for the bulk of the Dean Smith era. And whether you're comparing Dean to Kay or Dean to Roy, as the caller did earlier, Dean Smith's consistency is underlined by this. 33 straight seasons with the Tar Heels where his team was either first, second, or third in the ACC. 33 straight years. In other words, every year after he took a couple years or three to get the Tar Heels rolling when he was a first-time head coach in the early 60s, 33 years through his retirement, first, second, or third in the ACC standings. That's an insane level of consistency over more than three decades. So what has changed? Well, think about it. Roster chaos. Dean Smith didn't have the lower lows that Mike Krzyzewski or Roy Williams have had, in part because even the Michael Jordans of the world hung around college for three years. Of course it's going to be more. We have more transfers than ever in college basketball right now. We have more one-and-dones than ever, jumping straight to the pros after one year at the college level. Now, sometimes you can overcome that with just another great recruiting class. More often than not, though, it's more complicated than that, and that's why Coach K has gone from first place to sixth place. Now Roy Williams is in dead last place, in part because why? He lost seniors. You knew that was coming. That's been part of college hoops forever. But you also lost Nasir Little as a one-and-done. You also lost Kobe White as a one-and-done. And the day Kobe arrived on campus as a star freshman point guard, they didn't think he was going to be a one-and-done player. By the time he had shown how good he was, it was too late to just, you know, fill the roster spot. By the time it was clear he was going to be an NBA lottery pick, the pickings were slim on the recruiting trail. And the Tar Heels' incoming class, remember, looks nothing like what it usually does. There's two graduate transfers. Dean Smith didn't have to worry about plugging late holes on the roster. With There were no graduate transfers, actually. That, that rule didn't even exist until more recently. So there weren't as many transfers out under the Dean Smith tenure. There weren't nearly as many leaving after one year. His best players often stayed for three years. Guys like Ralph Sampson at UVA, even as recently as Tim Duncan of Wake Forest 20 years ago, stayed all four years in college. Those are different rules. And they, they allow sometimes 
for less imbalance between the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. 33 straight top three finishes for Dean Smith. Good luck. Good luck having 33 straight top three finishes in this era of roster chaos. It's biting Roy Williams right now. It bit him 10 years ago, the year after he won the 2009 National Championship. Again, an exodus of players departed. And he made the NIT the next year, but it's the only year until now of the last 30 that he missed the NCAA tournament. Less roster chaos, fewer transfers, fewer one-and-dones. Even at the end of Dean Smith's tenure, guys like Stackhouse and Wallace were even hanging around at least for a couple years. Nowadays, you know, you got a backup like Nasir Little who leaves after one year. Wasn't even a starter, and he's moving on to the next level because the multi-millions await those guys, especially if they're projected into the first round. Tim and Kerry has college basketball on his mind. Welcome to Free For All Friday. Good afternoon, DG. How are you today? Doing great, man. Halfway to Margaritaville. How are you? Oh, yeah. Not too far along myself. Far away myself. <laughs> anyway, the Free For All Friday, we're going to go to the brawl earlier this week. All right. The suspension that were handed out, are they suspensions that they cannot have contact during those 12 games, can't suit up? Are they allowed to meet with the team? Are they allowed to practice with the team? The suspension should have been to the end of the year. I understand, young men, we all have made, you know, mistakes in our life. You know as well as I do where you grew up. Franklin Field was a free-for-all oh my gosh. between Catholic and public league. The things I and saw at the Mummers free- Parade in Philadelphia as a child, Tim, I think have emotionally scarred me forever. I know. Yeah, we both grew up in the same area outside of Philadelphia. The thing is, these brawls, you need to cut it back, and if they suspended them for the whole year until next season, I think it would mean more to mentally to him and other players coming up. Because he's setting a bad example. If you're setting a bad example, if you suspend for 12 games and then you reward somebody letting them come back for the Big 12 tournament or the ACC or the NCAA tournament, because basically it's a resting period for somebody for doing something wrong. Did you think more than one guy should have gotten the long suspension, or you you believe that the Silvio De Sosa should have just been done for the year? Uh, I think it was multiple players should have got long suspensions and some other players that got shorter ones should have got the rest of the season too. I'll to tell you this the example to set the example, because if you don't set an example, it's going to happen again. I think one thing that is in play here, there's a lot of what ifs. What if DeSosa raised that chair and actually hit somebody with it, right? In other words, there is a next level where we have seen fist hit jaw in the NBA or the college basketball level. And that is where you're most at risk to, to just having the plug pulled on your entire season. You're not only suspended, you are done for the year. There were some what-ifs in the Kansas-Kansas State thing. Like the guy who ran off the bench was suspended, but he didn't connect with a punch and nobody connected with a punch on him. Not cleanly anyway. I think there's a next level that fortunately Kansas, Kansas State did not get to where they're reserving the your season is over suspension for something that is a whisk, just one tick worse than what we saw. Was it embarrassing? Was it disgraceful? Did a message need to be sent? Yes, yes, yes. You know, a 12-game suspension is, what, uh, 40% of your regular season, something like that. 
you know, right around there. So it's significant. But I hear your message. I think they are thinking in terms of a deterrent. You can't have bench-clearing brawls. I mean, what is this, you know, the NHL in the 1970s? Everybody who initiated the bench-clearing aspect of it was suspended, and those who were found on video guilty as the worst behavior got the longest suspension. DeSosa, of course, being the one that went to 12 games. Will is in carry, and next on the David Glenn Show, go right ahead. What's up, DG? I, uh, I got a little bit of a hot take, I guess. But, uh, man, I'm getting so tired of seeing these UVA tribute videos anytime they play a game. <laughs> these guys had the easiest run for national championships since Duke against Butler back in 2010. What, so remind us of some of the details. I mean, I remember the crazy survival game against Purdue. Uh, you're talking about higher seeds, you know, their tougher opponents being knocked out before the Cavaliers got to them last year. It's not exactly their fault, man, but the, the, the toughest team they played was a three-seed. It took them two overtimes to do that, you know? Uh, I mean, one per game. But, I mean, man, I, I think it's great. But you guys lost to a 16-seed the, the year before, and, and you came back and did it. That's cool. Uh, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the toughest team you played was a three-seed. Like, there, there's no reason to... That you can't watch a game without seeing a tribute video, you know? Yeah, I remember this. UVA, of course, was a one seed again. They redeemed themselves from the UMBC 16-over-1 loss. I think they took out Gardner-Webb from our backyard in the round of 64 last year. So the way I look at it, you earned your next game, right? By being a one seed, you were going to get either the eight or the nine. They beat Oklahoma. They did get a break when... It was Tennessee in their bracket, the number two seed, went down to, I guess, Purdue. So they didn't have to deal with the two seed. They did beat Purdue. I mean, you're, you're going to get either a two or a three. I, I guess my pushback is you earn a number one seed, which guarantees a less complicated road by what you did during the regular season. And, yeah, it was a close call against Purdue. Uh, yes, they did dodge a couple of bullets in terms of who they might have faced in the Final Four. But uh, that Final Four ended up being what? Michigan State was a two-seed. Texas Tech was a three-seed. Auburn was a five-seed. So it wasn't like it was a bunch of Cinderella's, you know? Uh, I'll say this, though, re regarding Virginia's fan base. I have rarely seen a fan base turn on a dime, and maybe you'll, you'll if Will is still with me, he can appreciate this. After 34 years, I have a sense of all the fan bases, especially ACC, State of North Carolina, some of the SEC ones, and even some near where I grew up in Philadelphia. I, I just have a sense. And you can't paint with too broad a brush, but generally speaking, UVA fans have gone from playing the disrespect card for a, basically a decade under Tony Bennett. I mean, they liked me because I kept telling people this whole narrative about how his way can never win is bogus. When he gets slightly better players, and that started with Justin Anderson and others years ago, so it's not like a flick of the switch. But Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and DeAndre Hunter can flat-out play, and I said a year ago at this time, I don't know if this is the year the Cavaliers are going to win it all, but this is the kind of year where Tony Bennett has the ability to win it all. So I didn't get much flack because I was on board, but, man, were UVA fans – playing the disrespect card and attacking many in the national media that didn't like Tony Bennett's slow-tempo style of play or the pack line or whatever other detail. UVA fans have gone from underdog, chip-on-the-shoulder disrespect card to high and mighty as fast as any fan base I've ever seen, man. And it's not every person. Again, I correspond with a lot of fans from a lot of fan bases. I don't want to say they're all one way. But, wow, have you experienced this at all? 
Do you remember this? It was always they're out to get us. Nobody likes us. They're the naysayers. Tony, Tony's way will work. Tony's way has worked. Heck, some of the meanest, angriest people who harassed me on Twitter for years told me that Tony Bennett was never going to win a national championship. And I, I actually bookmarked them. And when they won it all, does this make me spiteful, Darren? Am I a less, lesser person because of this? The, the same people who were nonsensical and angry and lazy, ignorant, cheap shot artists about other things were doing the same thing to Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers. And I, and I was just saying, y'all don't see the bigger picture here. You can win playing the slower style if you have the horses. And he's got the horses now, and it's not the only time. When he had horses years ago, he made, I think it was an Elite Eight run. Well, he had a bunch of horses, and he won it all. Did he get a couple breaks in the bracket? Yeah, but I'll bet you if you peeled the onion, Carolina has six NCAA champions here in our backyard. Duke has five. Peel the onion on all 11 of those and see how many breaks. State also has a couple. So peel the onion on all 13 and see how many breaks there were seed-wise. I'm one of those that says, man, if you ended up being the team to cut down the nets, you can have that conversation if you want. Who got what break? They didn't have to face so-and-so. You still came through when you needed to against Purdue in that Elite Eight game. You still beat a good Auburn team that embarrassed others earlier in the bracket. And you still took out a really well-coached Texas Tech team that was a three-seed in the national championship game. I mean, that's not exactly eating through cupcakes on your way to the first NCAA title in Virginia men's basketball history. 1-800-849-2761. The UVA fans that expected more than what they're getting right now, how could we be on the bubble? Man, y'all have turned on a dime. Turned on a dime. Celebrate the man who just led you to the first NCAA title ever and deal with the reality of losing the three best players on your roster. You could make an argument that Carolina lost the six best players on its team last year. And there's no argument that UVA did anything but lose the three best players on its team last year. So it's not a small transition if you lose your top six. Carolina was going to fall to the middle of the pack. That didn't necessarily mean 15th. It could have meant 4th, 5th, or 6th. Things got even worse because of injuries and close losses, etc. But anybody who thinks that either, you know, UVA under Tony Bennett or UNC under Roy Williams somehow makes you immune to the forces of the talent universe, you're fooling yourself and you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Watch UVA video from a year ago. Every single important possession, almost, the ball was touched by some combination of Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter. Like every important possession, almost, over 30-plus games. When all three leave at the same time, guess what? You are going to face a serious transition on the offensive end of the floor. And sure enough, guess what? UVA is great defensively again, and they look lost often on offense. I'm going to catch UVA against Wake and Winston-Salem on Sunday afternoon. I'm going in part because I have a friend who's a Wake Forest student and his dad is one of my best friends in the world. I'm going in part because Tony Bennett has become a friend of mine. I'm going in part because I want to meet with some Wake Forest officials. I don't think I would be going just to watch the caliber of basketball, to be honest. <laughs> Wake is lower tier this year again, year six under Danny Manning. And the Cavaliers are hard to watch, man. 
That's what happens when you lose your top six at Carolina. That's what happens when you lose your top three at UVA. Unless you are a recruiting mega machine, like a Coach K at times, like a John Calipari at Kentucky at times, there's going to be a drop. The size of the drop is easy to see with UVA. They've gone from national champion to bubble team. That was somewhat foreseeable to me, given the loss of your three best players. Now, NCAA heavyweight for a long time under Roy Williams to dead last, that, of course, is a far more complicated conversation. 1-800-849-2761. Todd may have the answer for the Tar Heels on the other side. Steve wants in on more basketball. Gary would like to chime in with his free-for-all Friday question, comment, or complaint as well. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Quick reminder to the sports fans across North Carolina as we come back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls. A lot of college basketball, some football, some NBA. The long streak I mentioned, just to deliver on a promise from earlier. Did you know that Liverpool of the English Premier League has not lost in 40 matches? That is just the fifth side, as they say in soccer, in EPL history that has gone 40 or more matches without a single defeat. Their last loss was on January 3rd, 2019, to Manchester City of the EPL. And in the interim since then, they won the Champions League. They won something called the UEFA Super Cup, and they won the FIFA Club World Cup, Liverpool of the English Premier League. A little bit off the beaten path, but just for fun as we come back to your calls. Football fans, here's something for you to look forward to as we go to Todd in Swansboro. Jeremy is in Burlington and has the NFL on his mind. Steve and Gary and others as well. If you watch the Senior Bowl tomorrow in Mobile, Alabama, it's actually one of the two all-star games for college football players that has an official partnership with the NFL. So you will see NFL coaches leading these college all-stars. The QBs that you will see as a part of that game are pretty compelling. Now, you don't get Joe Burrow of LSU or some others, but Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma, Justin Herbert of Oregon, Shea Patterson of Michigan, and Jordan Love of Utah State. We saw him play against Wake Forest this year. They are all viewed as NFL prospects to one degree or another. There are seven ACC players, no quarterbacks, but seven ACC players overall. Lorel Murchison on the defensive line from NC State. Jason Strobridge of UNC on the defensive line among them. Wake Forest is going to have an appearance as well. Isang Bassi, one of their D-backs, will be in that game. Just something to ponder. NHL All-Star Game. Remember, you not only get as Kaniacs tomorrow night in St. Louis, Jacob Slavin, and the skills challenges tonight, if you want to catch that. But Jacob Slavin in for the injured Dougie Hamilton as the Canes All-Star representative. In case you had forgotten, after tonight's skills competition, there are three mini games division versus division so Jacob Slavin will be with fellow Metropolitan Division All-Stars and they play bracket style the semifinals and then the finals it's a very different format than what they used to do in the old days there's a skills competition tonight that will include shots from platforms in the stands 
at targets on the ice. And they have a women's game, and they have fastest skater and all sorts of other things. Former Canes captain Eric Stahl, also part of the festivities. I don't believe that the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, Gritty, will be there in St. Louis because he is currently facing allegations of battery against a young Flyers fan only in Philadelphia. Todd in Swansboro, welcome to Free For All Friday. Go right ahead. Reminder to football fans, after tomorrow's Senior Bowl, of course, the Pro Bowl is on Sunday afternoon in Orlando. Todd, go right ahead. DG, hey, man. Hey, man, what's going on? Thought you forgot about me. Sorry, bud. It's crazy. We're trying to get as many in as we can, Free For All I Friday. I wanted to shift gears back a little bit. You know, everybody wants to, uh, you know, have all this uh, against Roy Williams and and whatnot, but if you truly think about it, this is the first time since he has coached at Carolina that he has not had his scoring push the ball up the floor into the game takeover point guard. And with Cole Anthony's injury, you know that kind of really threw them into a, a flux, so to speak, because they come down to end of games and there's not anybody to take it over. Ricky Black can't do it. Uh, you know, Garrison Brooks as a big man really can't do it no. without somebody giving him the ball. But always Roy has had that push the ball up the floor uh, type of point guard that can take over a game when need be. I'll bolster, and, I'll bolster your theory a little bit more and then let you continue if you want. The only time Roy Williams has missed the NCAA tournament in the last 30 years is the only other time he did not have what you are describing. Seriously. It was 10 years ago. And for those who forget, you know, Larry Drew was once the engine that was supposed to make the Tar Heels go. And when Carolina was caught 10 years ago, without that difference maker at guard, they missed the NCAA tournament. They rallied in the NIT and finished runner-up. But that is the only other time that Roy Williams' teams have face-planted, basically. So it's not just 2020. It was 2010 as well. And, you know, it looks like Roy Williams is going to be 29 for the last 31 in NCAA tournaments. And your point is the commonality between the two Carolina teams that, that uh, one fell short and one appears to be on the way of falling short, barring a miracle here. Yeah, and I, and I just think that, um, you know, it, it, it comes back to recruiting. And I'm not sure who Roy has got on board for next year. Oh, they're loaded. Cole Anthony's not going to be here. They're loaded. Guess, guess what? The Tar Heels have more players in the McDonald's All-American game this year than any other school, including Duke, including Kentucky, et cetera. They have a couple of five-star big men coming in, and they do have a five-star point guard coming in. I think his name is Caleb Love. So, uh, you know, the longer term, anybody who thinks this is a long-term thing with Carolina, I mean, either prevent others laughing at you and give up on that theory right now, or stick with it and we'll all make fun of you a year from now. There, there is no long-term issue in Chapel Hill. It's a one-year thing. Ten years ago, I was hosting this show having the same conversation. You know, it was a one-year thing then. It, has Roy done okay since he missed the NCAA tournament a decade ago? Yeah, I think he's done okay. In fact, when you measure up his numbers in Chapel Hill with Coach K's numbers in Durham while they've both been in their current head coaching positions, Roy roughly has the same resume. K better in some categories, Roy better in the other. When Again, K has five overall, two of them in the early 90s. So when Roy's the sheriff of the Tar Heels and K's the sheriff of the Blue Devils, it is a lot more balanced than people think 
And it was a one-year anomaly 10 years ago, and it is absolutely positively a one-year anomaly again. And you want to underline the theme one more time? Keep in mind that literally since before I was born, they've been running a version of the same system with Carolina basketball. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Dean Smith took over in 1961. His protege, Roy Williams, is the head coach in 2020. And even Bill Guthridge and Matt Doherty in between ran versions of the Carolina system. When Matt Doherty bottomed out, do you know who his guards were? Seriously. Without Cole Anthony, it's Brandon Robinson trying to play kind of out of position. It's Leaky Black kind of trying to play out of position. It's Jeremiah Francis who just missed two years of high school ball you know, being forced into action when he's not really ready to be an ACC caliber point guard. So you have that debacle in the absence of Cole Anthony. And again, I'm a believer that it's not only going to get better, a lot better when Cole Anthony returns, because again, it's not only his talent at both ends, everybody else gets to go back to a more normal job description because they can play off of him. So 10 years ago, it was the Larry Drew, et cetera, debacle for the Tar Heels. When Matt Doherty bottomed out in Chapel Hill, His guards were sophomores named Adam Boone and Brian Morrison and freshmen named Melvin Scott and Jackie Manuel. Now, Melvin and Jackie later were a part of good teams, but they were not ready to play point guard as freshmen, and neither one is a point guard. Adam Boone and Brian Morrison, does anybody anybody able to pick either of those guys out of a lineup 18 years later? No, I mean, Carolina is famous for... Michael Jordan at guard. Carolina's famous for Ray Felton and Ty Lawson and Joel Berry as national championship caliber guards. You know, Rashad McCants bombing away from the wing. Hubert Davis bombing away from the wing, man. They've had sharpshooters. They've had point guards going back to Phil Ford and even beyond. And in the years they got caught in that system without any point guard in some years, the Doherty 8-20 debacle of 2002, the Roy Williams disappointment of 10 years ago, and now with Cole Anthony injured, another similar disappointment in 2020. In that system, you don't just kind of roll with the punches when you're either caught because of recruiting without a good point guard or even other options at point guard. Or in this case, you had a really good one in Cole Anthony. He's just been injured for about half the season at this point. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the other side. More reminders about the week week that was and the weekend to come. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Zion Williamson made a spectacular NBA debut earlier this week. Tiger Woods is off to a strong 2020 debut on the PGA Tour. But fellow GOAT candidate Serena Williams went down in flames at the Australian Open. She is 38 years old. Tiger, by the way, is 44 years old. Serena at 38, remember, took time away to have a baby. Eliminated in the round of 32 down under. She now has a three-plus-year Grand Slam drought that when you're 38 years old has some wondering whether or not you're ever going to win another one. For Tiger Woods, that drought was longer than a decade, remember, but he got one, a Masters, a year ago. He's tuning up for that Masters that awaits us in April at Torrey Pines this week, and he shot a 69 yesterday to get out of the gate on the right foot. 1-800-849-2761. I love college basketball at this time of year. You all know that. Baylor is at Florida. Kentucky is at Texas Tech as part of the Big 12 
SEC Challenge. Closer to home, Carolina hosts Miami. That is a winnable game with or without Cole Anthony. But then again, so were the Georgia Tech, Pitt, Clemson, and Virginia Tech games, and they got away. NC State visits Georgia Tech. The Wolfpack is in NCAA tournament position and fourth in the ACC standings or tied for fourth. Wake hosts UVA on Sunday. Florida State is, is, is as high in the AP poll right now at f- number five as they have been since 1972. Even I was only a little kid in 1972. More on that story with Notre Dame getting a shot at some power points on their trip to Tallahassee this weekend. A lot of these ACC teams need on their resumes the win over Duke, the win over Louisville, the, the win over Florida State. So it's the Fighting Irish who are really low in the ACC standings. I mean, you beat Florida State, you shocked the world in Tallahassee. Guess what? You're back in the conversation. If you can't find one of these plum victories in what is a down year for the ACC after the big three, you have no chance between now and Selection Sunday. More on college hoops, the NHL All-Star Weekend, the NFL's Pro Bowl Weekend with your calls, 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. But I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. DG, it was good to see you at the Smith Center earlier this year. I heard you're going to Wake Forest against UVA on Sunday. If you could buy a ticket to a game involving any non-ACC basketball team in North Carolina, who would it be and why? As I come back to your free-for-all Friday phone calls, that was Henry in Kernersville writing to me at dglenn at accsports.com. It was good to see you too, Henry. I don't know if I'll see you again at Wake on Sunday. But beyond the ACC, again, was his question. There's a lot of really good players and some really good teams. I am nervous, Darren Vaught. I've been at this since 1987. We have had years where the state of North Carolina produced a lot of NCAA tournament teams, like six in the recent memory, okay? There are years where we we end up, and this, we're the center of the college basketball universe, man. There are years, I don't think this has happened in our time together. Have you felt bountiful in our time together? Oh, no doubt. We've Especially had... with when, you know, you, you take, take into account the, the mid-major conference champions right. that get the automatic oh, Like Lavelle bids. Moten as a regular from NC Central. Yeah. What was it a couple of years ago? Did we have uh, seven North Carolina teams or it, maybe six? It was an absurd number it in the NCAA awesome, tournament. And right? It's been, uh, been that way for, I mean, Really, the the three to four years, three to four NCAA tournaments that I've been with the show for. We are used to being described as the center of the college basketball universe, in part because Duke or Carolina or both are among the contenders for the title. You know, this is the the ACC again wins the national championship more than half the time. Current ACC members, not just two of the last three, but like six of the last eleven, et cetera, and the Tar Heels and the Devils, not every year, but usually are right in the middle of that. What has happened lately is that this state has had not only the usual top-tier contenders, we have had that depth that you are describing as well. I don't think we're going to have that this year. 
I know it's still early. Things can change. But Duke obviously is going to go in as a very high seed, as usual. We'll see if it's a number one or a number two or whatever. The ACC will have Louisville and Florida State. But our state probably will have NC State. Again, they're on the right side of the bubble as we speak. Who else is going to get in from our state this year? Because we have ridden, remember for a while it was Kevin Keats taking UNC Wilmington to the big dance. It was Nick McDevitt no longer there taking UNC Asheville to the big dance. It was Wes Miller at UNC Greensboro, still there, taking the Spartans to the big dance, right? I actually think that Wes Miller at UNCG in the Southern Conference is the best bet outside the ACC to get to the big dance because maybe they win the SOCON. But that's not an easy league, man. East Tennessee State is good. Furman is good. Wofford is good. Shout out to Mark Prosser. West, Western Carolina has not been very good very often in college hoops. He's only been there a year, and they're already the Catamounts relevant again, but I don't think they're going to win the league. So maybe the Spartans win the SOCON. I love Bob McKillop and Davidson but I don't think this is the year for them in the A-10. You know, again, a lot of these are one-bid leagues, so you got to go to your tournament and win regardless of your regular season schedule. A couple more shout-outs are in order, and I think you've seen some of these as the voice of the High Point Panthers. Mike Morrell in his second year at UNC Asheville, probably not a tournament team again, but they just beat a really good Radford team last night. He's a former Shaka Smart assistant at Texas who has the Bulldogs pointed back in the right direction. Ron Sanchez used to work for Tony Bennett at UVA. He's in year two with the Charlotte 49ers. I don't think they're going to win Conference USA, but Arrow pointed right back in the right direction. Maybe Lavelle Moton gets another MEAC title at Central? I don't know. But it is not a long list of candidates beyond Duke and probably NC State for our state this year. That kind of saddens me, but that's the honest answer to one part of your question. Who would I watch team and player-wise? Not only is UNCG a really good team, Wes Miller's a great coach, and his point guard, Isaiah Miller, no relation, is a great player. Wes has been at UNCG for nine years now, the former Tar Heel sharpshooter. Man, time flies, right? Uh, there's a guy named Mason Faulkner who's a transfer at Western Carolina. He's a dude. He is a dude and can flat-out play for the Catamounts. Worth watching. I like Davidson's team. I just think they're in a really good league this year. They're worth watching, though. John Axel Goodmanson and Kellen Grady in the backcourt, they're fantastic. If you haven't seen a guy named Jabri Blunt from NC Central and a guy named Ronald Jackson from North Carolina A&T, they are big-time players. So the Aggie Eagle Basketball Classic will include a couple of senior forwards who are among the best players in the MEAC. So those are some highlights beyond the games that you usually catch us representing the David Glenn Show uh, at all the ACC contests. But, uh, yeah, there's some good basketball beyond the usual here in North Carolina. I'm just worried, man. The lowest I've seen dating to 1987 was a two-bid year for our state. Two teams in a 60, now 68 That had bracket. to be, what, two ACC teams? It, it happened, I believe, ten, the last time Roy missed. You know, it, it was 10 years ago that the Tar Heels missed. Believe it or not, it was Duke, as always, but it was Wake Forest with Dino Gaudio yeah. as their coach. They Those were like were, a top five-ish team right around that time. Maybe not that exact year, but a year or two after that. For a while that, under Coach yeah. Gaudio in his three years, they were really high in the national rankings. But they did make the big dance that year. Uh, we're not going to have two, are we? 
We're not going to have two. We're not going to have two. <laughs> Tell me we're not going to have two. <laughs> Gary and Wilson, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Yes. Well, I remember those Dino Gaudio teams well, and they were sensational. But my purpose for calling is to accent your discussion about coaching uh, success. As I see it in the current college uh, basketball landscape at the highest levels, the coach, head coach has three primary responsibilities, recruiting, player development of that talent recruited, and then placing that talent into the X and O's yeah. to play the game successfully. Pretty good summary. And uh, you must now recruit for now, not recruit for the future necessarily. And so if someone does a good or bad coaching job, it does not mean that they only do well with the X's and O's, it means that they may not have recruited the best talent and they may not have developed that talent. And I think that is somewhat of what is lacking with some of our more local teams that are not enjoying much success at this Time. Yeah, I get it. I mean, and I think appreciate the call. I'm up against the clock. At places like Wake Forest, Olivier Saar is is it an, an absolutely improved player, right? There's a there's some player development going on there. At Carolina, Garrison Brooks is phenomenal as a junior compared to what he was last year or the year before as not a highly recruited player. So even Danny Manning and Roy Williams near the bottom of the standings have examples of good player development. I think the starting point does get back to just do you have enough horses? And right now, I don't think Danny Manning or Roy Williams has five guys he can put out at crunch time where he believes in all five guys he puts out there. Two or three, yes, but you need five to play. Back after this. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. All right, lines open for the first time in a long time. It is Free For All Friday. We are following your lead. Here's how you can be next. 1-800-849-2761. As long as it has to do with sports or this show or both, it's fair game for your call next. Gary Player joining us. This morning, I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs, and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf, and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment, and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.